Okay. Now let's let's get no, us started. That, that right was here. the start. Was it? Okay. <laughs> yep. That works. Okay. Well, I guess get it going. Welcome to the Redbird's Nest. Yeah, welcome to the nest. Welcome to the Redbird's Nest. I'm Big Red Austin. I screw off. <laughs> Just want to talk over Red this entire episode. I don't want him to get a word in. That's not very nice. Okay. Welcome to the blah, Redbird's Nest. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's right. let's go for real. Let's go. Welcome to the Redbird's Nest. I'm Big Red Austin. I'm joined by Remington. Hey, how's it going? And Jake. Hey, everybody. And this week we are joined by two special guests, Nate. What's up, guys? And Sawyer. Hey, what's going on? And this week we're ta- talking about the previous week in Cardinals baseball, the next week in Cardinals baseball, and much more. So, boys, to start off, I think the big news, as we all know, is that the Albert Pujols has 700th career home run. So how do you guys feel about that? Well, I feel like there's really only one way to feel about it, and that's fucking awesome. Yep. I think if we're specifically talking about who holds hitting seven home runs, it that's the only way to feel. It's crazy. I, if you'd have told me he was going to hit 21 home runs on the season in April, I'd have called you crazy. So I'm I'm tickled to death with it. He's been he is the reason we've won several of these games that we've won. So yeah, I I agree with that. You tell me in April he's going to hit 21 bombs. I mean, at the start of the season, for the most part, he was only playing you know what two games a week maybe if he we had him in the lineup against a left-handed pitcher I mean he's not he's still to this point I mean he probably has been the past month but before that he still wasn't an everyday player and the fact that he's gotten to 21 bombs like on limited games that's a career milestone for some guys on this team like that's a big moment whenever they have their first season where they hit 20 bombs and he's here at 42 years old on limited at bats just cranking him out like what a guy Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- third on the team team at twenty one. Yeah, and if we didn't have so many guys that could, you know, play that DH spot or you know constantly rotating in and out of lineups, like if he was our number one DH at all times, there's no telling how many home runs he'd have. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, I really, that, I really wish it could happen in Bush. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it would have been nice if it happened to Bush. And my question is, you know, why is he not started all year? I mean, he should have been an everyday player. He would have hit 35 if he was an everyday player the way it looks now. So, I mean, honestly, I think I agree with that. If he's if he's in the lineup every day from day one or, you know, has a primary starting spot, he's breaking Babe Ruth's record. Or more than pass, likely. Passing him on the list. I mean, he's getting 14 more bombs. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think that we saw probably maybe, well, it was close to the all-star break, really. He started messing with his swing a little bit. And if you watch, I was watching MLB Network, and they showed a video of him, and they, like, broke down his swing from the beginning of the year to where he's at now. And he has made changes along the way to get to the point where he is. Uh, I'm not saying that if he didn't 
play more, he would have he wouldn't have found that sooner. But uh, regardless, um, the, it was he's definitely made changes. I don't know that he would have hit 14 home runs between April and June, but but who knows? Maybe he's, no faith. Yeah, pessimistic, I guess. I, I think you could argue the opposite that he would have maybe hit less if you'd have been putting that many more miles and hours on that old body. I think you're wrong. Well, I think everyone's right. I'm just kidding. I think everyone's right here. I don't think there's any wrong answers. But no, I think the big thing is I think what really matters is what you said. It seems like about the midpoint of the season, right around the all star break or after the trade deadline, he really made some changes, adjusted. And quite frankly, I think that that just shows how good of a hitter he is for being 42 years old and being able to adjust your swing on the fly to the point where you're hitting 21 bombs like that. That that's just another testament to how great of a hitter he is. Yeah, and ju- just take this into consideration. He joins Ted Williams as the only two players to hit twenty or more homers in their final season, and I believe Williams was over forty at the time. How many did he have his final season, Red? Think. Think about 20, 20 or 21. Oh, really? So, so he's Pujols. got it. So Pujols has a chance to pass him. Yeah. Well. And, and, and Williams is already in the Hall of Fame. You know what it makes me think about is, you know, maybe a negative thought, but if he would have stayed with St. Louis his whole career in a smaller stadium, it broke Barry Bonds' record? Possibly. Broke the all-time record. I I don't want to. I don't know if that. I don't want to go that far and say that he would have done that. But realistically, I mean, it it just depends. You know, whenever he went to the Angels, he was. It was kind of the point where he was in his prime at the time, but they kind of knew signing him to that long-term deal that at the end of it he was going to be going downhill. But at the same time, it's like. Well, can't really say how far downhill he's gone because he's 40 ranking bombs and has an outstanding OPS. Like, you never know. It, it could have benefited him staying mm-hmm. in St. Louis, and we he could have maybe won a couple more MVPs, honestly. Well, yeah, I think that's yeah. definitely the environment more than the stadium because yeah. Bush Stadium is the pitcher's ballpark, I mean, for the most part. So it's not, it's not that easy to hit homers out of Bush, um, but kind of – Going off of that as well, Pujols did struggle a little bit with some injuries in L.A. Um, with his – I think that he had some plantar fasciitis and stuff that had they pretty much only could use him as a DH for a while, and, and he, he, was not, he was not the same player that he was in St. Louis. I'm not saying that if, we, if he didn't stay in St. Louis, he would have – wouldn't have still had those injuries, but – he probably would have had – I don't know. He's definitely one of those players that feeds off of the crowd, and you're never going to get a better crowd than that in St. Louis. I mean, I guess no. the Dodgers, is it, you can argue, but – But they show up in like the third or fourth thing, though. Which, so. ironically, that's where he hit his 700th, and he's also played for them, is in L.A. Dodgers. Yes. <laughs> Well, and just for me, it's 
kind of thinking, okay, he's hit these milestones. He's breaking records every other game. But ultimately, I think that if you just take the accolades that he has reached out of the equation and just focus on his performance, it it is awesome to me that we're going to be rolling into the postseason with another power bat in this lineup. Like, granted, it doesn't matter if it's from Pujols or anybody. It's just the fact that we have another guy in the lineup that opposing pitchers have to be worried about, especially a left-handed pitcher. It's not like they're just getting up there throwing him lollipops. He's he's hitting high fastballs coming in at 97 miles an hour out of the park at the same rate that he's hitting sliders that guys are throwing. He's seeing the ball well, and ultimately he just adds depth to our lineup for this playoff run. Yeah, it's a spark for sure. But let's kind of talk about the uh... – you guys have anything else to add about Pujols, anybody? Well, I'll do, but I'm going to save that for the player of the week segment. Okay. I was going to talk about the last week um, against, you know, the California teams. So, if anybody wants to start us off on that, how they felt about it. Uh, get get opinion, us going, obviously. Nate. Yeah, I guess going, Nate. Well, I, I have some concerns going forward that showed that showed pretty loudly. Uh, this last week, uh, our leadoff hitter is averaging 225 on the season, mm-hmm. which is astoundingly bad. And so I looked a little deeper into that. I was on my prep period today at work, and I was like, well, I'll just go ahead and dig deep into this. When we are trailing in the game, not only do we strike out more, but we give up more hits, more walks per inning pitch, our ERA ranks like 27th, and our leadoff guy is ranked 27th in the league. And the only answer to that statistically has been Tommy Edmond leading off. And though it didn't help this last week, I think that's maybe something we should try to implement going forward is Tommy Edmond leading off every single night. I agree with that. Yeah, I think that uh... – are you talking about our leadoff as in who who was leading off? I'm I'm talking as far as leading off the ball game as oh just a general general rule of thumb. Any leadoff okay. any game against any any uh side of yeah. okay. the pitcher, I think that Tommy Edmonds should be leading oh, off. Okay, I got you now. I'm clear now. No, I agree. And that's something that uh I've heard different podcasts say and even i think dan mclaughlin and um brad thompson have said it even tommy look tommy is the best leadoff that we can have brendan donovan is a very close second if not you know he's he's a close second especially after last night hitting that leadoff double and that really got us off to a good start but tommy edmund is a better leadoff than anybody we have on the team and i think guys like Carlson, Newt Barr, they do better down there at the seven, eight, nine spot. And you need somebody like that down there. So I think that that's a pretty good observation uh, and a well-researched observation. Yeah. For, for me, I, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to, I was just going to piggyback off that thought. So when we do hit well from the leadoff position and we go out and get leads early in the ball game, our whip jumps up to seventh in the league. And our ERA jumps into the top five in the league. So we're a team that when we start well, we win the game. And when we don't start well, we lose the game. 
So I just think it's really important that we jump out on teams rather than spotting teams' runs or spotting teams' outs because we're trying to lead off with Lars Newtbar or Dylan Carlson or even Brendan Donovan, who I think is potentially the third best player on the team right now. But statistics say we need to be leading off Tommy Edmund. So. Yeah. I, w- I think that's a phenomenal point. So the, the a couple things, just like about Tommy Edmund, the, in, if you have Tommy Edmund leading off for us, it completely takes any like righty versus lefty, righty matchup out of the as the play. He's done it all year long. And I love following Tommy Edmund with Brendan Donovan second because there's nobody on the team that is better at getting on base than Brendan Donovan. That, that's just the, that's just how it is. Brendan Donovan has, if he was eligible for plate appearances, I think he would third best uh, league behind and Soto or maybe somebody else, I think. So the thing is, like, we talked about it a few episodes ago. It's like how many times have we rallied recently within the past three or four weeks, like, you know, scored late runs, scored extra inning runs, anything that was – instigated or stimulated by Brendan Donovan getting on base, whether it was a walk or a double or anything, the dude, he knows how to produce. And quite frankly, if you have those two guys at the top of your lineup followed up with Goldie, Arenado and Pujols, like no doubt you're going to drive in runs. And that's just, that's going to, that's the name of the game. It's like, we've been struggling really, uh, we've been struggling a lot recently to even get runs across the plate. So Let's put ourselves in the best position that with the lineup. And then if you have those two guys at one and two, I mean, Lars Newtbar draws a lot of walks. But Newtbar draws a lot of walks. Every now and then he can hit for power. It's like, okay, I would almost feel comfortable putting more eighth spot just so you can have that guy at the bottom of your lineup that you can rely on to get on base and drive in runs. Like Lars Newtbar this year, he has 65 strikeouts, but he also has 48 walks. His OBP is 343, and that's going to be phenomenal for a guy that you have in the seven. Exactly. As all Cardinal fans like to say, the Newt is loose. <laughs> and I feel like Newtbar has replaced the energy that Vader left, if that makes sense. And he's yeah, just sure. and he's just bats better too. Yeah, he bats better. He's not as good in the field as Bader, but he brings that energy that Bader brought. But, and, and his hair's not as long, you know. <laughs> That's okay, even though. Right? Yeah, Newt. You know, it sounds like you're booing him in the crowd when you're, you know, really tall. Um, to do well. I mean, <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, Harrison Bader's not really picked it up since he left and went to the Yankees. He's only played eight games, but he's batting a mere two twenty seven and across twenty two at bats he has ten strikeouts. So Yeah. I think at that rate, uh his OBP's only two eighty. I'd rather have large Newt Bar in the lineup at this point in time. Just because we have to score. And I'll gr- rather have Jordan Montgomery pitching T. True. Oh, yeah. I mean, ever since he got to St. Louis, for the most part, he's been dealing. I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, I 
I don't really feel too terrible about this whole last week as far as how we've played. I know we lost several games, but our offense just wasn't there. And we've seen what this team can do when the offense is there. It's just a matter of if we'll be able to do it in October. So that's just something hopefully we can improve on moving forward. But I think that Montgomery's tipping his pitches. Uh, his last three starts have not been what they should be. And that was something that they had talked about is – he might need to go back and, and watch and figure out what he's doing because he gave up a lot of home runs. He's given up a lot of home runs recently. And if a team is hitting you out of the ballpark consistently, it probably means that you're showing them something. I don't know. I'd have to rewatch some of the games and see what pitches they're driving. But it it's if he can get that straightened out, I think that we'll be – He'll be right back where he was whenever, you know, at the beginning. I think with with Montgomery, a big thing with him is he definitely pitches better with Yachty behind the plate as opposed to Kisner. And I think that two out of his last three starts have been with Kisner behind the plate. Okay. Makes sense. So just something to consider. um, Yeah. Which, and essentially you have to think that situation, we're probably going to have Yachty behind the plate. So, um, you know. We'll just see. Ultimately, we might have Contreras behind the plate next year. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, Montgomery, I mean, when you look at it, so against the Dodgers, six earned runs. Against Cincinnati, he had three earned runs. And against Milwaukee, he had four earned runs. Like, in the grand scheme of things, he's had three bad games recently. Not, uh, But really, those three games aren't too – like aren't outliers really to how the rest of our starters have been pitching. Like we discussed that Wayne has not been pitching that great. Miles had a great night last night, but before that he hadn't been doing too good. Jose Quintana is doing phenomenal, but he was getting roughed up a little bit before then. So um, ultimately you want to see Montgomery back to the level of pitching that he was at whenever he was absolutely lights out, but I think he'll get it. I think he'll get it figured out. Yeah. I think that, you know, bullpen has been fantastic. Uh, starters have been okay, decent to good, good to decent, and offense just hasn't really been there. So that just, we know it just takes one real good game to get the offense back going. Hopefully, yeah. And, and um, with uh, with Montgomery, I mean, we just said how he's been kind of lackluster recently, but still in his last seven games, his WHIP is only one point two. Yeah. So I. I've got full faith in Montgomery. He's he's going to be in our playoff rotation, and I'm and I'm completely okay with that. Yeah. Say, so, so, I want to bet down the last two Michaelis starts off. Yeah, he's combined for twelve innings pitched, seven hits allowed, three walks, and fifteen Ks, giving up. Two runs with only one being earned. So, since the last two starts, he's been good. But, well, like you said, he has struggled some before the last two two starts of his. Yeah. I don't, um, I don't know about you guys, and this is just for anybody, but I, you, we came out of both series against the Padres and the Dodgers. We won one and lost two in both of those series. But quite frankly, 
just watching it, I was much more happy with how we played against the Dodgers rather than how we played against the Padres. Yeah, I agree. The Padres series was absolutely abysmal to watch. I, it was tough. I mean, we're shut out two times, lost one of those games one to nothing. It's like you can't you can't expect to win many games, let alone many series, if you don't even score runs in it. You know, it's uh, I don't know. the The team just looked like they're just I don't know. They looked like they didn't know what was going on. And quite frankly, you can't put the blame on anybody because it was everybody in the lineup. So. I don't know. I don't know how that makes me feel moving forward, but well, we'll see. As it stands right now, we will play the Phillies in that wild card spot. Brewers are only a game and a half back. Um, please. So if the Brewers start winning a few games, the Phillies start losing, keep losing. I guess they've been a little bit colder recently. We will play the Brewers at Bush for that three game wild card. So that actually brings up another point. What are your guys' thoughts then? on the new format for the playoffs. We're going to play a three-game series with the Wild Guard team. I like it. You like it? Yeah, I do. I think that it it's it gives people, I don't know, it's more entertaining to watch. It just feels more like a postseason because I think Cardinal fans know more than anybody about wild cards. It's like we've been the wild card team quite a bit and kind of sucks whenever you go in, you're all excited, and then boom, it's over. You know, yeah, it can be that way. Sometimes it's not, but I like the the fact that at least you get a three game set, or at least the wild card gets a chance. Because we've had several games where I feel like we can beat a team in a three game set, and just we're never given the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, three games is better than one for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Since we're on the topic of the playoffs for the time being, the Cardinals have made the playoffs. 16 times since 2000. From 2000 through 02, from 04 through 06, 09, 13 through 15, and 19 through at least this year or so. Okay, well, back to the wild card thing. Um, I love the fact that all three of the games are going to be played at one venue because ultimately i mean i like the idea that they're expanding that and giving more teams a chance because when you think about it before you're like okay well there's only four teams from each division you know some teams are def some really good teams are definitely being left out in the place of maybe one of those uh division winners are kind of lackluster compared to them so I'm glad that they expanded that, but ultimately, like, I think that the reason that they're doing the three games at the one thing is just kind of like to offset, like, whatever kind of advantage there was, you know, kind of give a little bit more of an advantage back to that uh, division winning team. So I would be pumped. I'm going to be pumped whenever all three games are played in St. Louis. I think that's a huge advantage for us. Oh, yeah. Big advantage being played at Bush. Uh, and I completely expect the whole, whole stadium to be just pumping, especially Big Mac land. What do you I guys guess, think? The only thing would... I like about it. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. The only thing I don't like about it 
is we win our division just like the Mets win theirs, and we have to win a three-game set to get to the round that they're, you know, yeah, got to buy for. I don't like that at all. That is, that was kind of what I was trying to say is why I don't like it. But I was that's why I said at least like three games are going to be played in Bush. But still, you're right. It's kind of yeah. Stinks. That just kind of that kind of rubs me the wrong way. I mean, if Bryce Harper gets hot or something like that, and you know we get the bad the bad end of the stick there that's just going to be yeah really exactly Exactly. that is that is disappointing but you know if the shoe were on the other foot we would sure be happy that we had five more wins you know if we were the number two uh, and we were beating the mets we were sure happy that we won five more games in the mets so they would have to play you know i mean i I quite frankly, I wish we would have had a three game set against the Dodgers last year instead of that one game where we lost to yeah. the walk off. So, yeah. Oh, sure. yeah. I mean, anytime we get to play the Dodgers in the playoffs, we're happy because we can't lose to them in the playoffs. So. Honestly, I, and this is just no data to back this up whatsoever, but I am more worried about playing other teams in the playoffs than I am the Dodgers. <laughs> Me too, yeah. Just historically, we, we just oh, we just dominate yeah. Kershaw. Please yeah. pitch Kershaw. P- pitch him twice in a in a row. We don't care. No, <laughs> I I would much rather honestly, and this it might sound crazy, but I would so much rather play the Dodgers than either the Mets or the Braves right now. The Braves are so good. They're so good. Except, did you guys hear Spencer Strider? He's out till at least the NLCS. Really? Yeah, yeah. Let's. Uh... They can win the their division, advance and from the divisional series. Yeah, he's got an oblique straight or something like that. I think they might not get there without him. He's an automatic win every time he puts on the mound. Literally, yeah. Did you but guys see? They're, uh... they're playing the biggest series of the year this year because that's uh, the NL East is going to be decided because the Mets and the Braves are playing one last series this weekend. Yeah, and that's going to decide it. Did you see last? I think it was last night. William Contreras hit that bomb, and they played the Edwin Diaz walkout song. Oh whenever, my god! After he hit that bomb, he rounded the bases to Edwin Diaz <laughs> uh, walkout song. Isn't that his walkout song though? Yeah, Blaster Jacks, the artist that, like the main artist, said, "Hey, Braves." William, stop using that song. It's all only for Edwin Diaz. Yeah, that that's his walk up song as well. So yeah, well after he hit that bomb, they went ahead and played it while he rounded the bases because I guess because they were playing the Mets. I don't know. Nice. I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah. I don't care about it either way. But that song is a banger. Yeah. So playing great. Um, but we did clinch the division. Really want to sit here and harp on all the negatives that's gonna that came from this past week, but we clinched the division. Um, I I kind of was wondering. I don't know what you guys think. I don't know if I'd rather play the Brewers or the Phillies in the postseason because we're gonna have to play one of those two teams. To be honest, I'd rather play the Brewers. Actually, no, I don't, I don't think I'd rather I would. play the Phillies. Yeah, I think I'd rather, I'd rather play, play the Phillies just because well. of the three best pitchers that the Brewers have. And it's like, exactly. I don't, I don't know. want to see Brandon Woodruff at all. Yeah, I don't want to see Brandon Woodruff. I do not want to see Corbin Burns. Um, and you have to think, like, 
if we have to play the Brewers in the postseason, they're coming in with a chip on their shoulder. Like, they are coming for us. You know what I mean? Yeah, they are. Yeah. I mean, the Phillies' two best starters are who Zach Wheeler and Noah Syndergaard and Aaron Noah. I mean, they've got a good three-headed monster in their rotation as well. Yeah, and I mean, I know that we're worried about having to face like Bryce Harper, but Bryce Harper is human. He goes through slumps just like everybody else. I heard today that recently, I think it was in the past, maybe in the month of September, something like that, he's batting 159. So maybe we just luck out and get him when he's cold, hopefully. Yeah. Well, it's just a matter of, you know, if pitchers are hitting spots. If our our defense is there, if they put the ball in play, whatever, mistake pitches happen, I understand, but. Like you said, it, he's human. It's just the way our offense has been. I think we need every break we can get. <laughs> yeah, and, and quite hours. frankly, at this point in time, whenever you're going into the postseason, every team you're going to play is good. Every team is going to have those guys that will, it seems like. So it's just going to have to make the most of our opportunities and make sure we're set up to score runs. That's all there is to it. Exactly. We need goalie and Arenado to get hot. Who else to stay hitting like he, he is and and everybody else just to do their jobs. Yep. I agree. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, kind of uh, moving on past that, we uh, what do we got? We got only the Pirates left. Is that correct? Correct. After the Brewers. Yeah. So we got yeah, five yeah. games. Six. Six games, including tonight. Now we're playing the Brewers tonight. Yeah, we've I got know. we've got six games against the Pirates. A set six, at home okay. and then a set away. Okay, I was thinking that there was a two game set in there, but six makes more sense. Well, that's yeah, how well, it ended. I guess good way to get hot, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This weekend originally was supposed to be the last three games of the season, but since you know the owners were wanting to be rich scumbags and implement the lockout, the season's got first back. So the last three at Pittsburgh is just a makeup of the first first series. That, that was supposed to be played this year. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah. So you guys have anything to add as far as the last week? Anything that uh, you guys have seen or something you want to see moving forward or anything? Uh, I, think, I think I'm glad that uh, we're getting this out of our system now. I think I would rather go cold now than in, you know, the next week. So like Rim said, there's no really reason in just like harping on them. I mean, We've been a hot and cold team all year. I think, I think it's almost like uh, hopeful that it's happening now rather than later. Yeah. 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 Michaelis has looked good. Pujols has been well. Pujols. So everybody else just needs to figure out. Yeah, I mean we we've got two MVP candidates. By the way, 
who do you guys think wins the MVP in the NL? And Gold, Golden. Golden. If 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 nobody on the Cardinals wins the MVP, I'm gonna be one pissed off son uh, of a bitch. I'm <laughs> I mean, I'll be mad. I mean, the way that Goldschmidt's played this year, the way that Arenado has played this year, I mean, they've both just played incredibly well all season long. I think that Goldschmidt should win it. But if not, I think Arenado should win it. Um, and I was curious to your guys' thoughts on that. Well, I'd like to say that Goldschmidt is a shoe in to win. Uh, he's had a rough month of September. Hopefully that you know how people end up getting. I don't know. I hope that they just look at the season as a whole instead of the last month. Yeah, that's the only thing that I would. Be I, I about. think they will. I think they will. Yeah, I'm confident that Goldschmidt's going to win it. I mean, yeah. he's top three in average home runs and RBIs. And on base percentage, I think. And I don't slugging. think he's top three in average in, or in uh, home runs he's, anymore. I don't know if he is in home runs, but he's third in average right now. I think he's second or first in slugging or OPS. So I think mm-hmm. he's tied for fifth in home runs. I'm not sure about that, but I think so. Well, well the well, other thing that Goldschmidt. The other thing that Goldschmidt has going for him is that he is by far the best defensive third baseman in the league. So whenever you look at all of his stats and say, oh, yeah, he's been a top three hitter in the league all year, and he is the number one defensive first baseman in the league, it's it's a no-brainer for me. He's going to win it. Yeah. 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 I hope so. Nate, what do you think? I don't think it's particularly close. I think if they don't give it to Goldie, there's going to be a lot, a lot of people angry. I'll I think riot. that Freddie, I think that Freddie Freeman and maybe even Austin Riley's like tried to make it close, but you can't, you can't uh, justify giving that award to one of those guys when Goldie's been this good. I don't oh, think, I don't yeah. think Austin. I mean, he hasn't really bat for uh, average at all this year. I mean, he's only yeah, bat. he's well, one of the friends, guys. Yeah, compared to the leaders, I mean, he hasn't had a bad average. He's batting 276, but I think that they were talking that if anyone at this point was going to knock, like, Nolan or Goldie out, they were talking about uh, Mookie Betts because he's apparently been lights yeah. out the past two months. But um, still, I don't think it's enough to overcome yeah. what – along. Say my, my top three non-Cardinals to win would probably be Freeman, Betts, and then maybe a lot P. Alonzo or, or Redmond. Riley. You did not just say that on this show. I, I, I just said you I did not uh, just say that about. I think he's rooting for a non cardinal to win it. <laughs> no, if I had my pick, I'd pick Goldschmidt or Arenado. But I'm I just saying, if one of those two don't win it, I think what he's saying is if uh, Goldie doesn't get it, he really, really hopes Alonzo sneaks in. Yeah, I was surprised that he threw Alonzo's name in there. (laughs) You're you're a big Alonzo guy, it sounds like, Red. No, no, no. I can't wait to tell Stubby Clark. I'm just being objective here. 
I mean, what about him? So what? Just because he's hit 40 bombs and has 131 RPIs? I mean, the dude's only batting 270. I say the dude's got say 124 he's in the conversation. I just said he's in the conversation. He's in your conversation. Man. He's in nobody else's. Okay, so going back to something that we said before we started recording, Rim, I want to hear uh, your response to your own question of if you had to fight somebody in the Cardinals clubhouse, who are you fighting? There's, you guys know, and that's Paul DeYoung. I am beating Paul DeYoung into a pulp. Okay, there is no doubt. Like I said, I told you guys, all I'll do is dress up as a baseball, and he will not hit me one single time. He will swing and miss every time, and I've just got a counter with a left hook. I mean, the guy is a doofus. I would love nothing more but to just beat him. What about you, Red? Oh, I'm going to stick with Ollie Marmel. Dude, dude's been giving giving out inconsistent lineups all year. No, no, this isn't about what he's done. This is about somebody who you think you can take. Oh, I could. I think I could take him. Okay. I'm just giving <laughs> my reason why I, I I picked them. You know, Red. This okay. Okay, let me put a disclaimer out there. This is not me trying to be stereotypical, but you know, Marmol is of, I believe, some sort of Hispanic descent. He he might have been a junior boxer. <laughs> you, he you know, been. it was. I mean, it's possible. <laughs> oh <laughs> you know, God. there's no way to just know that for sure. But I mean, it's a possibility. Yeah, you're better off picking uh, somebody with a little bit less questionable of a uh you know uh, just less of a boxing background you know of, of the same uh, I, 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 don't care. I, I think I quite frankly red just the way that you've been treating me and treating jake over this podcast i would love to see you square off with paul uh, <laughs> Schmidt. it's absolutely you, you said pick a guy that i think, think I, I could take not Somebody could definitely beat my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, who are you picking? Okay, so I'd like to preface this with this really isn't this isn't fair. So I'm gonna choose Dylan Carlson. Not because okay. I think that I can take him down, but because every time I see his face, I just think of what could have been and I just Ooh. wanna beat him into the dirt. You think you and that, think and that's of... not fair to him because I I think of Juan Soto. Don't. And, and, and it makes me angry. And you know what? I like Dylan Carlson. I think he's going to be a great player for a long time. But, man, it just just rubs me the wrong way. When I see how good this team is, and I think we can be 10 or 15 wins better. Nate thinks There's, about Juan Soto at night. They, okay, I'm, I'm going to be 100% honest. If we have Juan Soto on this team, I would put – I would bet every dollar in my bank account that we're winning the NLCS and going to the World Series. I agree. That's, I agree that's that. why I get so yeah. angry. And and Dylan Carlson's hitting two thirty nine on the season, and that just he, he, and I get Dylan it. Dylan Carlson at this point isn't even an everyday player. No. Yeah, I I uh, I don't know. I'm not gonna say yes or no to that because I don't. I honestly don't know that. I know that we probably we definitely 
would have had a better likelihood of trading if we would have put in Dylan Carlson, but I don't even know if we would have gone through with it regardless, just because of the history of the franchise. I, I don't think that, I think that you can I take mean, your leave Dylan Carlson and I don't know. The if thing is, I if think... you, if we have Juan Soto on the team, that automatically nixes one of those big question marks that we have in the outfield of who's going to pull. I guess. Yeah. I think, I think that also, uh, the, the sample size we have isn't fair. Like I said, I want to preface that. I understand that we haven't seen all of them that we're going to. But when I think how we could turn uh, Gorman and Carlson's at-bats into Juan Soto and Brendan Donovan at-bats. Yeah, yes. If you, if you could yes. replace those two for those two, uh, like I said, I think we're a 105-win team. And we don't have to worry about the Phillies at all. Nate, I'm going to tell you right now, you might be the smartest guest we've ever had on this podcast. <laughs> well, I think we disagree on that topic pretty heavily. <laughs> Jake, who, uh, who are you fighting? Oh, I already know no. who you're fighting. Huh? I already know who Jake's fighting. Tell me. Fight Tyler O'Neill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm fighting that prick. <laughs> <laughs> him and his huge biceps. <laughs> I mean... All I'll have to do is kick him in the hamstring, and he's down forever. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's ever standing up. Yeah, if you <laughs> I mean, get him, he's probably gonna break my leg when I kick him in the hamstring. Yeah, you, but... you better make sure you don't hit his glutes or something, or else your leg's gonna. Yeah, I know that his hamstring is his weakness. It's all bound up all the time. So well, he's tight. got he's got those cramps. You might be able to get like a front quad kick in there. You know, do a front yes. kick right on top of his knee or something. See, I don't know if my legs could handle kicking him in the quads. It's kind of like kicking a bodark fence post well and here's the thing i know i know that you're fast you know collegiate track star but um I, i'm just doubting you but i don't think you can outrun him not anymore hell no i'm i'm too big for that well I you're bulking up years since then and put on 30 pounds i don't think i can outrun him yeah. either i would love to, I, think... I would love to see that though the think, fight, not the race. Yeah. I think even if there's no good place to hit him, I think if you punch no. him in the neck, you're breaking your hand. Your hand, the hamstring, that's the Achilles heel. That, of that Tyler is, O'Neal. yeah. You just got to get him in the hamstring. Yeah. Got to get behind him and kick him in the hamstring. Who's yeah. Sawyer going after? <laughs> Who am I going after? Um, I think it's pretty obvious, really. Uh, and this I agree with Remington on. I think it's Paul DeYoung. I think there's no other answer. Paul DeYoung, he's going to hit a buck 42 for the Cardinals and pretend he's a professional baseball player. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, and on top of that, is he going to get through me? I don't think so. Is he going to get through Remington? I also do not think so. But is he going to get through both of us? Not a fucking chance in the world. So piss on you, Paul DeYoung. You are the answer. I love it. I love it. Honestly, I just cannot believe it. Pains me to think that we're gonna go into the postseason wasting a valuable roster spot on Boston. <laughs> yeah. Paul fucking DeYoung. I mean, is he when will this man in his career hit over two hundred? I'd love to know the answer. When will John McDaylock and Michael Gersh be like, you know what? Paul DeYoung's not a very good player. He just had one good year, and that's it. Yeah. 
But we'll see. When will all the Marvel say be also be like? Maybe I shouldn't play play Polly be be as much. I'm giving Marmel the benefit of the doubt here. There's something going on behind the scenes because oh, I, I have told you so like... many times. It is that bastard Mosaloc getting in his ear saying, "Hey, buddy, we're not paying him six million dollars this year and nine million dollars next year for you to sit him on the bench. You need to get something out of him." I don't think Mosaloc would have done Soto for the young straight up. I really don't. I think he loves him that much. No, I agree. I was wondering, he did get an at bat last night, and uh, what do you think happened? Probably struck out. He did. Because how often, how many times out of 10 does he strike out? That's my question. I don't know the um, answer. But yeah, I think it's like four or five times out of 10, honestly. Yeah, at least. But, okay. Getting away from the, the topic, I did have some questions for you guys that I wanted to know your thoughts on. What do you think we do? Okay, so we talked about what happened this past week. We're kind of overlooking the series against the Pirates. Um, or not not completely overlooking it, but we've focuses on wildcard series and go to the division round. What do we do moving forward with Adam Wainwright? Oh I mean, we have said before, and, you know, Marmol and him talked about it. He's in a dead arm period, right? Excuse me. He's in a dead arm period right now. They want him to pitch through it. He's had five starts in the month of September. Four out of those five starts, he gave up four earned runs. He is just—he's not looked like the Wayno that we're seeing. But they're and like, I understand. Sometimes you just have to pitch through it. Sometimes you got to get your mojo back. But it's like we can't go into the postseason thinking, oh, well, he's pitched really bad. We're hoping that this is his comeback game. You know. Yeah, we we cannot risk it. I I, I love Wainwright to death, but we cannot risk it. Like, do you, what do you guys think we do? Do we let him keep pitching through it? Do we give him a rest? Do we move him to the God forbid, move him, him to the bullpen? Pirates. Pitch him against the Pirates and see what you get. You know, like I said last week, I think that his stuff had more break to it last week. He was just missing spots, which he's a good enough. He's a veteran. You know, he's good enough. He can find his spots. But if his stuff is loopy and, you know, he pitches an 87 mile an hour fastball. If he's missing spots in the middle of the zone or his curveball is so slow and has no break, he's pitching home run derby pitches. So I think if he looks decent against the Pirates, he's hitting his spots and his stuff, he gets breaks, then why not use him? I mean, we know what he's been on the year. Maybe he's through it. But if you're seeing some of the same, then it's worth saying, you know, at least use somebody else for the three-game set in the wild card. I think that's the way it's going to wind up anyway. That's what I, I would think. I think that's potentially the issue, though, with – I mean, if you don't start Wayno. The question is, is who do you start? I mean, do you start Flaherty, who's in the same situation coming off injury? Or do you throw in Quintana and let your season ride or die on a guy that you picked up? Or would you rather just roll with old man Wayno and please the fans at least? At if this you're point, go out, at least go out with Wayno. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I'd love to see Wayno. 
But at this point in time, Quintana has looked like lights out. I mean, to me, I think you pitch your best three pitchers going in, the ones that look the best. And if they need to come out in the second inning, okay, take them out in the second inning. That is the good thing. We've got a Palante and we've got a Mats. Yeah. I mean, I think for myself personally, to me, I just think, I just don't see a point where you can give Wayno a postseason start right now. I mean, you said, like you said, Jake, yeah, he's going up against the Pirates. Let him pitch against the Pirates. And okay, yeah, they suck. But Wayno also only went five innings against each of the Cubs and the Nats, gave up four earned runs and nine hits in both of those outings. Um, he's got a 6.38 ERA in the month of September. And he has a 1.96 e, uh, whip in the month of September. So it's like, look, I love him. We know what he can do. But at this point in time, I feel like going into a wild card series that's only three games, you have to pitch your streaks right now. So, like, you have to pinch Quintana just because of how well he's been pitching. You have to pitch Montgomery. Even though he's had, like, one or two bad outings here recently, he is absolutely lights out. And quite frankly, I mean, if Miles keeps it up and Miles has another awesome start, you have to pitch Miles in there just so you can get a right-handed pitcher in there. Um, just because those are the guys who have been producing for you most recently. So, you know, don't uh, try to fix what's not broke. Exactly. Gotta go with the hot arms here. And I'll tell you. I said it before, if Montgomery comes out and he gives you another lackluster start against the Pirates, I am not against letting old uh, Steven Matz start in place of Wainwright. And if he is absolutely lights out, maybe maybe throw Matz in there. Yeah. But, I, mean, I love, I love Steven Matz. What has he done for the Cardinals is, is the question. Steven Matz? Yes. Pitched his heart out. <laughs> I love Steven Matz. I absolutely love Steven Matz. In his most recent start, he was absolutely dominant. He has been lights out coming out of the bullpen, but it's like, yeah. my well, God, he's awesome. And that's even better. Put him in the bullpen. Put Wayne right in the bullpen. Put all these guys that are good for, you know, an inning or two, put them in the bullpen. I but mean, it's like, why would you – why would you uh, waste – statistically go poorly, though. That's yeah, I, I'm saying, like – why would you – if you're in a playoff situation, let's say that we're game three of this wild card series and we've already pitched Quintana and we've pitched Montgomery and we're, we're one and one. We have to win this game. Why would you risk putting Jack Flaherty out there whenever you know, like, you're ready. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to have to maybe bring somebody in in the second inning. You've got to bring yeah. some – you've got to start the game with somebody you know get the job done for you. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a good point. That's a very good point. So. At this point, that is definitely not Jack Flaherty. Redmond, do you like Flaherty? Mr. No, he's got a piss poor attitude. Hmm. I, I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember if you said that on the past, like, six shows or not. I just needed a refresh. I, I, I agree with you, Redmond. I agree with you. He's got a piss poor attitude. Last time I remember, I thought Redmond said he wanted to kiss Flaherty on the mouth. I think he did. <laughs> I couldn't remember I, if he I said he wanted to kiss Flaherty's mouth or kiss Flaherty's asshole. It was one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think you, you miss her. I, I might have said kick. 
Is uh, that oh, okay. That makes more sense now. Mm. Yeah, I must have got confused there. So is that why didn't you pick uh, Fight and Flaherty instead of Marmol? Because I I think I stand a better chance against Marmol than Flaherty. Mm. I don't what? know. What, I think what do you take his ass weapon and then just tweet about how <laughs> I'm not going to continue about anything. I'm going to dig myself a hole. So, so Redman, you're not a big Marmol fan, it sounds like. Uh, I, I go in and out with Marmol. Yeah. Sometimes I give him a pass, and then others, it's kind of hard to give him a pass. Well, I mean, do you think he's better than Shilp? Slightly, yes. Okay. Okay. But he's not better than Larusa then. No. <laughs> no. Is he is he better than Mike Matheny? Well God, that's like asking if one of your guys to sneeze is better than my knees. Yes, he's <laughs> be- better than Mike Matheny. <laughs> I don't know that he's better than Mike Schilt though. But... I don't either. So, so you you didn't like Mike Matheny, but you liked Schilt. Kind of, sorta. At first, and then he kind of aged like milk. Okay, <laughs> okay. But, anyways, moving into the postseason, I think that we can all agree. We we know what the bats can do. We just got to get it going. We're in a slump. We're in, everybody's in an extended slump. So. But we know what we can do. We're top five in the league and runs scored per game. Like the offense, I don't think is a question mark moving into the postseason. I think it has to be our starting pitching. Mm-hmm. So moving right along. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah, I think that that's fair. There's a lot to look look forward to. I think the next couple of weeks will be big episodes for sure. Um especially two weeks from now. But um, I told moving you along, what do we got on the agenda next? Well, I was going to say, I do not know if this is on the agenda or not, but in case Nate and Sawyer didn't hear, um, arguably the biggest series of the season, not just for the Cardinals, but uh, for the MLB is going on this weekend. The Braves and the Mets are playing, and that's going to decide who, uh, who wins the East, the NL East. So, uh, Ultimately, for us, that's kind of a big deal, too, because, I mean, would you guys rather be playing the Braves or the Mets in the division series? Because that's who it's going to be if we win the – That's the question. If we win the wild card series, that's who we're playing, either the Braves or the Mets. Man, I'll tell you this. I'd I'd rather play the Braves if they don't have Spencer Strider. I think I agree. I think I agree, too. Yeah, because I, if, okay, because yeah, I just remembered that the Mets have Degrom and Scherzer. Degrom didn't pitch because that well. We last know time. we can't beat. We know we can't beat Scherzer, and I hate to be that way as a Cardinals fan, but we cannot beat Scherzer. We never have. But he's or a damn, maybe like I mean, one. He's incredible. Yeah, he is awesome for an old man, but Com- a complete psychopath on the mound. But and ultimately, we know yeah, if. If the Braves if don't have Strider, I feel a lot better. I mean, their starting rotation is absolutely it, – it's just really good. They've got Charlie Morton. They've got Max Freed. They had Spencer Strider. Their, their starting pitching is awesome, no doubt. But we also do have a series win against them 
in St. Louis. Like, we have shown that we can beat this Braves team. If you look at us offensively compared to them, I think we stack up together really, really well. Um, I think that they have a good offensive team. I think when we're hot, we're a phenomenal offensive team. But I think that the big difference would become the, – the big difference would come from the pitching. And I think that if they don't have Spencer Strider mowing us down, we have a much better chance. Yeah, I agree with that. Oh, I think that that's uh, – you're right on there. That's. I think that I'd rather play the Braves anyway. I think if you ask me, though, which team would you rather beat in the playoffs? Oh, my God. I would love to send Mets fans packing. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I would love that. Shades of 06. I so, think they're a top five worst fan base in sports. They suck. Them and the Yankees both. It's the New York thing. Uh-huh. I don't know. The the thing that I worry about is normally when we win the whole thing, it's the Cardinals barely slip in the playoffs. They just get in this and that. No, this year we're, I mean, everybody's talking about the Cardinals this year. So I'm a little bit nervous because of that. Um, but at the same time, we're probably in a better position. So that's also good. So, kind of moving right along. Uh, what do we got next? Red, anything? Uh, players of the week. Players of the week. I'll let you guys go. Well, I can't think everybody knows my player of the week is the machine, Albert Pujols. He went 7 for 24. But two home runs being the home run, career home runs, number 699 and 700. Five RBIs, two walks, and four runs scores. And, and with him hitting career home run, number 700, he, he joins Cheer, Barry Bond, Hank Aaron, and Babe Ruth as members member of the 700 club. He also joined Hank Aaron as following players to have 3,000 career hits, 700 career homers, and 2,200 career RBIs. Pujols also is the only player to have all of those stats and 650 career doubles. He also becomes the first player to hit 699 and 700 in the same game in consecutive at-bats. Trails Aaron and Bonds for most seasons with 20-plus homers with 18. And he would have more RBIs than Ricky Henderson, Joe Morgan, Wade Boggs, and Tony Gwynn, if you took the 1,141 RBIs, he's hit for off of home runs. And, and probably the most insane stat, the, the career home runs hit by the 1999 first-rounders is 454 compared to Pujols' 700. 
That's awesome. Unbelievable. I'd tell you, my favorite stat of Pujols' is the dude has 61 career two home run games. Damn. 61 two home run games. That is absolutely absurd. Absurd. For some guys, it, it is the highlight of their career to hit two bombs in one game, and he did that 61 times. Like, that is absolutely insane. Top five all time. Stud. He's got to be, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd put it, I think he's the best right handed hitter of all time. I mean, yeah. 100% player of the week, no doubt about it. There's really no question. It's Albert Pujols. I mean, 700. The only disappointing thing to me is that he easily could have broken Barry Bonds' record if he stays with the Cardinals. And that is. All that I have to say. But, I mean, player of the week, easily. Love that he's back on the Cardinals. Say, say, I think if he just stays healthy in his time in Anaheim and 12 normal season, yeah, you're talking about maybe even 800. Oh, yeah. Oh, exactly. If not more. Yep. I agree, and I, I agree. think those Angels teams would have maybe made some playoff runs, and we'd look at Mike Trout's career a little differently as well. Yeah, I think it's all Mike different. Trout needs to get off the Angels. I love so Mike Trout. Um, it, yeah, they both do. They both need to come on to the Lou, win a couple yeah, of World Series. Come to St. Louis. Yeah, one hundred percent. But right Nate, so- who's your player of the week? My player of the week, and uh, Whipple's going to love this, it's uh, a man that just recently joined the team again, Juan Yepes. Okay. In his five games back, he's got 15 at-bats. He's hitting 400. He immediately made an impact on the team. I mean, mm-hmm. his, his OPS is uh, 1.105. He's slugging 670. His OBP is 440. Bat- batting average 400. He's just so good. I mean – that, in, that injury really hurt the team. Uh, it got Gorman looks that he needed because, I mean, I mean, we didn't need him to play because we have Donovan. He could be playing second every day. But Gorman needed reps. But I think Yep has hitting now and into the future, which is the playoffs. I think that that's going to be big for the program. I'm going to be 100% honest. The thing that hurt Juan Yepes the most is that they left him in uh, AAA for a month after he was back from his injury. Mm -hmm. I understand that uh, Nolan Gorman needed the looks, but let me tell you, Nolan Gorman has been looking at the exact same thing for the past two and a half months. Uh, He did not need that many looks to realize that he needs to be fixing some things in the minors. I think that if you bring Juan Yepes up and have that catalyst of a bat that he has in that lineup – we clinch one week earlier. Yeah, probably. I so. think he helps us win games. Oh and yeah, that, that's just how it is. No, you're exactly I, right. And I'm glad that somebody picked one. Yep, as because that's not who I'm picking, but that was my number two. Um, if I had to take a wild guess, you're taking Newt, and I really just changed that recently, like in mm-hmm. the last twenty minutes, looking here at stats. But also, I'd like to throw this in there. I think that we're doing Alec Burleson a disservice. Yes. I think that I think he is going to be a superstar. And oh, yeah. I, I think he's on a team where he's not going to get many reps in the outfield even next year. 
and yeah. that dude is unreal. He's awesome. I kind of like that they're playing him at first base just to see, you know. He's coming for just to see job. what he can do. <laughs> the MVP's job. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 stealing that from him right out from under him. I don't think so, but it's still kind of fun to see. Uh, I am picking Newt because in his last seven or the last seven days, which is the last five games, 18 at bats, uh, seven hits. That's a 389 average with an on base of 476. He's almost always on base. Uh, Slugging is 889, which is an OPS of 1365, which is absurd, too. Uh, he's got three walks and only two strikeouts in those 18 at bats. He's hit two bombs and four RBIs. So those are that's that's the kind of numbers we need in order to win games. If you don't have team, if you got have guys like that, especially whose names aren't Arenado and Goldschmidt, who can do that, that's going to be huge for us because we need more more consistency in bats like that, especially for a guy that we were just talking about could play at the seven, eight or nine spot. And we like him there. So that's, and he's a stud and he's hilarious and he brings energy. So that's why I like, I I like Newt a lot. I think, and not to dog on Gorman because I think he's going to be a really good player also. One thing I like about Newt is when he comes up, I feel like he takes full advantage of every moment he's on the field. When he hits a fly ball, he runs as hard as he can. When he hits a ground ball, he runs as hard as he can to first base, no matter what. And I don't think we get that out of Gorman. And I think that's partially why we've seen success out of Newt, even though it wasn't as expected. Yeah, Newt Bar just gives me like. The kid that was the class clown throughout school. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get on a Gorman rant because I've done that before. But um, <laughs> I will – No, you know, never mind. No, I'm not going to say anything. Never mind. You just disagree. <laughs> I think that you could also give an honorable mention to Dylan Carlson because he's kind of found his swing recently, especially hitting from the left side of the plate, taking the ball the other way. Uh, he hit 316 in the last five games um, with, you know – that's that's pretty good he, with five runs. So his his on base was uh, also 316. Um, so not not terrible. He has only struck out. He did strike out four times in those 19 at bats. But if he can find his swing, especially from the left side of the plate, he's going to look a lot more uh, reliable moving into the postseason and we we need him we need that we need consistency in the outfield so that's kind of going to be an honorable mention of mine there's just one big looming guy that i cannot believe nobody has mentioned yet and i'll let sawyer go and if he doesn't i'm going to be pissed at all of you guys okay (laughs) i honestly don't know who you're talking about dude (laughs) you gotta call it out because i really no you go ahead who's your who's Oh, player of the week is Albert Pujols. There's no doubt about it. There, there's literally no yeah, doubt in I my mean, mind. I yeah, mean, obviously. one of the greatest players to ever live. Hit 700 bombs this week. He would have broke Barry Bonds' record if he stays with the Cardinals. It's very, very obvious. But <laughs> don't stay with the Cardinals. Don't break the record. Go elsewhere in a bigger ballpark. Hit 700. That's great. But 
That's all I have to say. Yeah, Pujols is it's also the winner of the Big Red Boom Shakalaka Award. Emphasis on the boom. But I, I would be interested to see what Remington has to say here. No, I mean, you can't. I feel like Pujols is probably everybody's honorable oh, it's, player yeah. of the week. No doubt know, about it. Yeah. So that, that is what it is. But, okay, I guess I'm going to be the only person this week to uh, pick a pitcher as player of the week. But there's just no way in hell I was not going to give player of the week to Jose Quintana. (laughs) He had one start this past week against the Dodgers, the best team in the league, a team with like a run differential of like 250. And he went out six and two-thirds, five hits, no runs, no walks, six Ks against the absolute best lineup in baseball. Not to mention he went eight shutout innings before that against the Reds in his last start. And tonight he's through three innings against the Brewers, and he's got one run. He's actually through three and a third. I mean, he is just – he's pitching like a damn ace right now. And I I dogged the team whenever we picked him up, but, my God, he has shut me up, and I am here for it. So he's in your top three when it comes to the playoffs. There's The way he's been pitching the past two weeks, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, agreed. Uh, he has to be. Somebody picked Quintana. I was just thinking about that. He's a stud. I like him. I mean, I like what he's been doing recently. I think that he's he's just one. Of, he's not a guy that's going to get a whole lot of strikeouts. But we don't need a guy that's going to get a whole lot of strikeouts. And he's getting more strikeouts than anybody anticipated. At least more than I ever anticipated. I just love watching the dude pitch because the thing is, whenever he pitches, he pitches with, like, a purpose, like a drive. He's not up there trying to paint the corners, trying to get you looking on a backdoor slide or anything. When he's on the mound, he is the man, and he is going to come at you, and he's going to throw strikes, and he's going to challenge you to hit balls in the zone. And that's just – we need a guy like that, and he's just awesome. Right on. So that's everybody's players of the week, correct? That is correct. Great. So we got next, Red. I think we're going to hop right into the minor league watch. Okay, minor league watch. So the minor leagues, this might be the last week of the minor league watch because why? Well, with a, I mean, for a little bit because. Single A, double A, all that, that's over with. And I think that this is pretty much the end of triple A coming up within the next couple of days. So there's not not a whole lot of not a whole lot more information coming out, uh, other than some moves that'll be made and whatnot. Sounds to me like you just don't want to do your job, but that's yeah, that's it actually. Um Craigslist. I mean, we'll have a month off here, but well wait, why you could look up the Arizona Fall League. Yeah. They start uh, next week. Next week. So there will be some news coming out of the Arizona Fall League. Tink Hintz. I want, you to, I want you to stay very up to date on how Tink Hintz is pitching in the Arizona Fall League. I think Tink Hintz needs to improve his stamina or whatever injury he's got going on because if he's a guy – I mean, his ERA is like 1.1 or something ridiculous like that. If he could pitch seven – seven innings, eight innings. He's never pitched more than four and two-thirds, I don't think. Uh, If he could pitch seven, eight innings, he would be a god 
I think. I think he'd actually be a god amongst men. I mean, you got to give the guys, you know, cut him some slack. He's like 15. Yeah. He's working on it. That's true. I think he is only 13 or 14 now that I'm now that Last time I checked. But he's – I want to see because he gets – he's like a two-strikeout-per-inning guy. I mean, he's strikeout pitcher. Great, crazy, crazy super stuff. But anyway, we'll see how that goes next year. Hopefully, he'll be in double A, uh, at least, if not triple A next year, because he needs to be moving his way up. But kind of talking about that Arizona Fall League a little bit, uh, I'm going to talk about that uh, article that you sent me, uh, Rim. That's that's kind of the highlight of this. That was a good uh, article. Huh? That was a good article. It was a good. It's by Red, it's by the Redbird uh, Rants. It's Ben Goldberg. It was three days ago. And the title of it is, Is the Next Harrison Bader Already in the Cardinal System? So if anybody wants to go look at that, look that up uh, and read the whole thing, it's it's definitely worth reading. I enjoyed reading it. Um, but he pretty much just talks about who's going to be in the Arizona Fall League. And we've got Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, and Tank Hintz going to the Fall League. Um, and then on other than those names, they're also bringing along Mike Antico, um, who is part of the taxi squad and which I hadn't really, I'd seen his name, but I hadn't really looked up too much about him or heard too much about him. Um, but the real big thing about him is he has stolen 67 bases in the 2022 season. Good God. (laughs) (laughs) So we talk about how Ben Deluzio stole, uh, 30 bases, you know, and that we're like, man, that's that's a lot. He stole 67 bases, and 30 of those have been in double A Springfield. So he is so fast. He's only been caught stealing seven times. And the according to this uh, article, the defensive metrics for minor leaguers are hard to come by, but the defensive ratings have earned strong reviews, and he's committed only two errors while playing in the outfield this year. And he primarily plays center field. So pretty much the article kind of goes on about him and talking about Bader and how, you know, his bat is. And his bat isn't as good as what, you know, everybody else would want it to be. He hit about around 250 this year, uh, which and he had 143 strikeouts and 514 at-bats. Um, his on-base percentage was 344, so it's not terrible. It's decent. But if he could just get a little bit more, you know, consistency and just take some more good at-bats, get more walks, uh, he'll be lights out. And a 250, if he can keep that up, which it always ends up going down by the time the guys hit the big leagues. But if you can stay right around that level, that's going to be pretty great moving forward, especially if you have 67 stolen bases in one year. So... That's that's kind of that on Mike Antico. That was I'm glad you sent me that because that wasn't something that I had read, um, and it was a good article. So I I suggest that anybody goes and reads that article. Yeah, you know I'm just getting pretty used to doing half your job. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's okay. Actually, I think that that's going to be it for the minor league watch. That's all Remington well, sent me. I can't, so. <laughs> I can't believe that you're going to go through this minor league watch and not talk about what uh, Delvin Perez did. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> have Have you guys all seen the Delvin Perez video? I know you have, Rim. Oh yeah. 
Okay. Never have, no. Okay. I think it was just two days ago. It it was, yeah, it was atrocious. D- or maybe it was uploaded two days ago. I don't know. It was recent. Delvin Perez, who is in uh, AAA Memphis, cranked this ball. I mean, but the wind was blowing in. And he cranked this ball to left field. And he pimps it. This watches the ball. He does the fucking bat Super flip. big bat flip, like cockiest bat flip I've ever seen. Runs all the way ar- around the bases. And they, it was a fly ball, like missed the wall by thirty feet. This, this dude, this dude was like not even on the warning track when he yeah. caught this ball. He, he he hit the ball about two hundred and seventy feet, and the guy caught this ball. <laughs> and Perez is rounding third with his arms up in the air like he just hit a bomb, and everybody at the dugout's making fun of him. <laughs> yeah, he gets he gets in between third base and home before he realizes that it was not a bomb. And the other and team, yeah, and the yeah, other yeah, team's yeah, third baseman is just standing there with his arms out, like, "What the hell are you doing?" Yeah, I, I, I mean, he absolutely cranked that ball. He hit it hard, but you well, can't. This dead can't, ball era. Well, and you can't pimp home runs, uh, especially if the wind's blowing in twenty miles an hour. Uh, I mean, he did the whole, whole soldier boy arm. To that ball, and it still only went like what you said, whip like 270 feet. It was probably further than that, maybe 290, but still, it was not far, not far enough, clearly. But other than that, I was just going to talk about uh, a couple of things like our pitchers um, for the uh, minor leagues, AAA. Um, let me look them up here. Here we go. I was going to talk about Gordon Graceffo a little bit. Everybody's talked a lot about Gordon Graceffo. I'm not sure if that's somebody, something that you guys have kept up with. He's 22, uh, so relatively young, pitching in AAA, and he's pitched in AAA pretty much all year, I think. Uh, in his last 10 games, he's um, – I'm not sure why it's – not showing anything. Maybe he, uh, maybe he hasn't pitched. Maybe I was looking at somebody else. Huh? September fifteenth. So maybe he was down in Double A. I thought he was pitching Triple A. He's been in Double A. My bad. Sorry about that. He has gone. Uh, yeah, I know. Fire me. Six innings. His last several starts. Six innings. Six innings. He went four and two thirds there, um, but pretty much given up one hit, three hit. One hit, you know, he's just been a consistently decent pitcher. Uh, hopefully, he gets moved up to AAA next year, and, and we see that. But he's pitched several innings. His ERA overall career – or not career, uh, 2022 is a 2.97 ERA. So, he's been pretty good uh, this year. And now, going on the other hand – Matthew Liberatore, his last 10 games in AAA have not been nearly as good. It'll overload. Here we go. So we've got um, six innings, six hits, four earned runs. Six innings, four hits, no earned runs. Uh, Two-thirds of an inning with four earned runs. Uh, Six innings with five hits, no earned runs. Four and two-thirds. 
uh, seven earned runs. I mean, he's just been terrible, as, as sad as that is to say. He'll come out and have one good game where he'll go six with no earned runs, and then he'll get he'll give up. Well, he'll give up four and two thirds of an inning. Uh, so he's got to figure something out, or else we're we're gonna look elsewhere for Matthew Libertor. I imagine a more reliable arm. But other than that, I don't really have too much to add. Jordan Walker finished out his season in Double A Springfield with a home run, and we'll see what goes on in the Arizona Fall League. But you guys have anything to add that I missed? You covered it for uh, me, basically. I, yeah, yeah. I've, thought, I've thought for a long time that we need to look elsewhere other than Matthew Libertor, but I've just been giving him the benefit of the doubt because he's so young. I think he's still got time to figure it out. But um, you have to be worried at this point if we're expecting him. Like, we were expecting his uh, him to be a mainstay in the big leagues this year, and, um, my God, he can't even produce at AAA. No, and I think the month of August, his ERA – was well over seven and i think september wasn't far behind that so boys breaking news aaron judge has just hit home run number 61 i don't give a shit about aaron judge half of those home runs were hitting a sandbox so well he did tie roger maris's american league record of 61 and half of his were hitting a sandbox too (laughs) <laughs> well imagine if, imagine if we weren't in the dead ball era though i know there's no doubt he would have hit 75 i was gonna say 80 yeah yeah no there's if we weren't in a dead ball era aaron judge would have just put up the greatest uh batting season in history probably yeah and he's gonna be a cardinal next year no i doubt it i would not I'm calling that now i don't think i would love to see Here's my thing with Aaron Judge. The he is demanding so. I mean, he's he's practically doing what Albert Pujols did whenever he left St. Louis. He's demanding, but he's also thirty years old. Mm-hmm. But but Aaron Judge has said that he wants like a four year deal, and we could give oh, he him. Did say that? A, oh, I didn't know yeah, he, he said he wanted he said, a four year deal. I, well, not four years, but he said that he doesn't want a long-term deal. That's why he won't sign back with the Yankees immediately. Well, the Yankees offered him a four-year deal. Yeah, but it was it was what it was what one hundred and twenty-five million. I yeah, two twenty, dude. I didn't know that. Really? I didn't know they offered him two twenty. That's that's what I thought. Maybe we could get him for. I thought maybe we could get him for. A four-year, two hundred twenty-five million dollar deal. Oh, no, they they turned him down. At, he two hundred thirteen and a half million. Yeah, I think That's I think if he we offer him four years, two hundred million, he'd be you know the richest player ever. I would. I think. I don't know. Do you think you would rather see the Cardinals go after Aaron Judge or Shohei? Shohei. I think Shohei is not sustainable. For yeah, the long term, I think there's going to come a point in time in the next two to three years where you have to see Shohei make a decision whether he wants to be a starting pitcher or a batter. Yeah, agree. But you're going to have to pay him for both. Yeah, and he's only are. going to be able to do one. I exactly. quite frankly, if I had to pick a player from the Angels, I'd much rather have Mike Trout. One hundred percent. 
I'd rather well, have yeah, a player but that Mike, we actually Mike Trout, Mike Trout. I don't know what that means, Redmond. Shohei's Shohei. I'm just saying Mike Trout's so good that he's just on another level. Same with Shohei Otong. Like, there's real, like, there is no comparisons for those two. I saw, like, a Barstool guy going around, and he was asking other Angels players what they thought they could throw on the mound. And they asked Mike Trout, and he was like, oh, I could easily throw, like, 98, 99 for a couple innings. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what the heck? Mike Trout could be doing exactly what Shohei's doing. Maybe not to the same level. I mean, Shohei's, you know, a once-in-a-lifetime player. We're witnessing a crazy, crazy two seasons out of this guy. But to think that there's guys that are, no, you know, just so good at batting that they choose not to pitch, that could that could probably I, dominate, yeah. it's interesting to think about. And quite frankly, with Shohei, I think that what we're seeing in Shohei Otani is a prototype of a kind of a group of players that is going to kind of be a mainstay for any team, or not any team in the MLB, but um, moving forward. I think that in the next five to ten years, uh, you are going to see multiple players like Shohei Otani who are studs at the plate and on the map. Agree. Just one of the things that the game is leaning towards. I think that he, while he's putting up phenomenal, the only one I think years he'll uh, just be another one of the boys that pitches and hits moms. Well, I don't know who will get. I guarantee it won't be Aaron Judge, and I can guarantee it probably won't be Shohei Otani or Mike Trout either, but. I can say that there is some question about Wilson Contreras. I think we'll get Wilson Contreras. I think I that's think like that a lot. I think we lot. need Wilson Contreras more than we need Aaron Judge. We're well, still going to have $50 million worth of cap space once we get Contreras, though. Yeah, I'm so, true. I'm sorry. What would you say, Nate? I missed that. I said we're still going to have $50 million plus in cap space after getting Contreras, though. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely we need definitely catcher next year. Well, we I mean, we need consistency more than anything. We will need a catcher, yeah. Uh, I don't think. I mean, we'll have Ivan. I don't know. He's definitely not producing like how we all thought he would. Well, that's the thing. Again, we've we harped on him for a long time. He's still only twenty two years. Yeah, he, he. I mean, and he did. He, he ended up do batting. He don't don't say he did good. He didn't do good. He batted two seventy in Triple A this year. So he was actually batting a lot better than that. He just went cold at the last ten games. Uh, he still finished. He batted one eleven. Well, I'm not. I mean, I'm not trying to argue. I'm just saying that something moving forward for him i think that he can be good and he will help us but right now it would be nice to have a, another a bat especially for a catcher i i think that if we get wilson Contreras, we need to get him on less like we don't need to get him on a long-term deal because of what yvonne herrera is going to be right i was going to say the exact same thing i would not be opposed to something like a two-year deal yeah even a three-year deal 
two I or three years. I think that puts us in position to maximize the value of both players. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, Wilson Contreras is, and it's also it's like he is a successful veteran catcher, but I mean, it's like he's not he's not having a phenomenal year. I mean, he's a career two fifty seven batter, twenty six. He's hit twenty one bombs. He's got an OPS of eight. Pretty good, especially from the catcher position, but um, still good guy to have on the team. I think. Yeah, I think so too. I think that it would help us. You know, that's that's the main thing looking forward. If you're going to get big name guys, it's fun to talk about. You know, the the biggest name guys, but we're also talking about we are the St. Louis Cardinals, who only get big name guys if we can screw out the other people you know that's what happened rockies diamondbacks looking at you yeah so we'll see what happens well yeah you never know ultimately though tell you if anybody marks at this point is catcher and outfield position so i mean if we got Aaron Judge, I mean, it's not like we would just be getting him for like no reason. Like he would be there to fill a fill a void that we have. So he would be, but we'll see. I I also think that if uh, there's no comparison, if we have Aaron Judge, obviously that's huge. But we have pretty good defense out there in the outfield. And I don't think Aaron judge is as good of a defender as Lars Newbar. And if you think Aaron judge does not have an absolute rocket of an arm, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, I don't think that he's going to make the diving catches that Lars Newbar is going to make in right field. No, but Lars Newbar would be a starter. Yeah. Field Aaron judge in judge play. a lot of center. I'd put Aaron judge at center and then put, um, Shit, I don't know. I guess DC and left, maybe put Aaron Judge in left, DC and center. I guess if he can that turn it around and get get a little bit of average. But the thing is, if you get have Tyler Aaron O'Neal Judge, far, far yeah, get Tyler O'Neill out of here. Let, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, let Burleson come up and get more. Cons- thing is, if you have a guy like Aaron Judge in your outfield that you can that you know you can rely on to play every single day, we do not have to do any of this dumbass. Uh, with the outfielders that we're doing right now because we have guys that consistently can consistently play every day. Agreed. And then on on days that you want Aaron Judge to DH, you can mix in a little Alec Burleson or Deluzio. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, that's a big if. I, I mean, that's pretty far-fetched. That's kind of like hoping that the Cardinals get Juan Soto to get Aaron Judge. But – I, I definitely think it's a, a player that was getting Soto than Judge. I agree, but still, yeah, it's I, fun to like, think about. I, I, going into that last day of free agency, I I thought there was about a ninety percent chance that we get Soto, and then I did too. When, and then I was Mosellock. so upset whenever uh, Mosellock said, "Oh yeah, we weren't even, we were already done with talks uh, before the day, day of the deadline even hit." And I was like, "You son of a bitch." And I don't, I don't even believe that. I think he says that to sound smarter than what he is. I've been that way three years. I think Mo, talks, <laughs> I, I think Mo talks smarter than he is. Well, maybe maybe that's a testament to actually how smart he is. Yeah. 
Is no, nah, I'm just Saw- kidding. He's a dumb son of a bitch. But is Sawyer still awake? Sawyer's gone. <laughs> you guys are just now noticing that. I had no idea. Redmond, why you knew this and you didn't say anything? No, I just thought you guys knew. No, I just thought he was you, quiet. Sawyer left at about seven fifteen. None of us knew. <laughs> oh my god, Red! How long has he been gone? Maybe five minutes. Well, well, piss on him, I guess. Okay, well, <laughs> let's uh, let's just keep it rolling. Um, okay, I'll, I'll send him a message. Question for you: Hit on a bunch of points. We probably need to be wrapping it up here at some point, but I'm having a good time. So, um, what is your ideal lineup one through nine for Game One of the first playoff series? I'm glad you asked this for me, Tim. I wrote it down, but I crumpled the paper up and threw it at my wife once we got on minor league watch for one second. Good idea. I would have done the same thing. So my one hole is Tommy Edmonds. Second, Brendan Donovan. What we need Third, position. Golden. Oh, well, Edmund playing shortstop. Okay. Donovan playing second. Goldie at first. Nato at third. Dickerson in left. Yepes or Pujols DHing. Whoever whoever's hotter. Carlson in center. Molina catching. And Lars as a kind of one hole a nine hitter. Uh, Lars Newtbar. And and I think I think my ace is still Jordan Montgomery, I think we have to ride off these last two starts because we have dumb Kisner behind the plate. I can get behind every single thing you just said. The only question mark I have is Dickerson. Well, my thing is, is you know, that's Tyler O'Neill's spot. But, I mean, I like Corey Dickerson more, first of all. And when Tyler O'Neill comes back, I'd still rather play Dickerson than Dylan Carlson. I don't know about that, but I think that the way that Carlson's been swinging the bat lately, I would much rather be playing Carlson than Dickerson. Dickerson's gone a little bit cold recently. I mean, in in the last 15 games, he was super hot in August. In the last 10 games, Dickerson's batting about 25 with 12 Ks. Yeah. And quite frankly, he is not a good, I mean, I definitely, he's not a good defensive outfielder. Dickerson has a squirt gun for an arm and, I quite frankly don't think he takes the best routes to balls sometimes. I think that I think of whether you have Dickerson or O'Neill in the lineup, it's kind of six or six of one, half a dozen of the other. I think they're probably going to get the same number of hits, except Tyler O'Neill is going to strike out about twice as many times. So you just have to so uh, kind of wash there. You, but you get much better defense out of O'Neill. That's what I was yep. going to say. So, like, like I said, those are interchangeable, but Tyler O'Neill's not been, yeah, I mean, Tyler O'Neill's been healthy, not healthy, healthy, not healthy. I was going to say, realistically, he might play one game and then he's injured again. Exactly. He'll go down with the hamstring because Whipple got a hold of him. Hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I agree with probably, other than that, everything. I I think you're completely right. I think we have to go Montgomery uh, being the number one guy. He's just pitching lights out. Um. Are we at all? I mean, 
I don't know what the Phillies like starting line. But the thing is, I know Marmol is just absolutely anal about having like righties versus righties and lefties versus lefties or that righty lefty matchup. I'm I don't know if it worries me at all, depending on what the Phillies lineup is, if they are righty or lefty heavy as far as the hitters go, because I don't know if they're righty they heavy. Have, I know that he's not going to want to have Quintana and Montgomery, both two left-handed guys throwing to them. They they have big power from both sides of the plate. Is the issue really? with the Phillies? They go they go Schwarber, Harper, and then they go Reese Hoskins, and if Oof. I'm not mistaken, they have JT Realmuto, Realmuto too. Yeah, and Reese Hoskins and, has absolutely dominated the Cardinals this year. And they have Nick Castellanos. Notable cool, cool. douchebag. Yeah, notable douchebag for sure. And I'd like to see Yachty put him in the dirt. But uh, <laughs> but I would like Cassiano to see them bring. I would like to see them bring in Jake Woodford to face Castellanos, and Woodford just absolutely drills him first pitch, and then oh, they take him out of the game. The yeah. yeah, that would be awesome. So my lineup is exactly the same, except I'm playing probably Yepes and left and just DH and Pujols no matter what, righty or lefty on the mound. That could that could be – honestly, that could be a move because you have to think we're coming in as a cold team that's had a hard time scoring runs opportunity to score runs whenever we have Yepes in the lineup and you just I think that you have to ask yourself like do the rewards outweigh the risks there because we know Yepes is a subpar outfielder but is he able to make up with it with his bat there's a good possibility so I'm not I would not be opposed to that at all either so yeah I think I'm gonna have the same lineup as you whip. I'm. I know I'm creative, but well, we we, we need offense, and Yepes provides a, a, another big bad in the lineup. Mm-hmm. And as far as pitchers go, I love Montgomery to death, and I think that Montgomery is probably the right choice. But you've also got to look at numbers versus like matchups against. I mean, historically as well, and. I, I would almost the way that Miles has been pitching. I would almost put him in. I'm not saying that for sure, but I would almost think that Miles Michaelis could be somebody who could be our number one. Um, especially His last two starts have been good, but he, I mean, every time he stepped on the mound since the All Star break, I've been like, wow. I mean, I don't know that we have much of a chance. I mean, I think his ERA post All Star break is like four seven. It's, I mean, astronomically well, you, high. You've got to consider one of those games is an outlier. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, ten, was, ten earned. Ten earned and one in, earned three innings or something. Yeah, that was so, crazy. Outlier, I agree. It also depends, you know, if Montgomery comes out against the Pirates and gets gives up five earned runs, I think it looks different. You know, a lot a lot goes into next week. I could get behind that, especially being that the Pirates have nothing to play for at all. Yeah. And they're already a bad team. So, we'll see. I think that I'm not counting. 
I think that Marmol probably already knows what three pitchers are pitching right now, regardless of what happens in the future, which I don't know if that's the way it should be. I agree, and I think it'd be pretty easy to guess the three. Yeah. And it might be, it might work out. So I think that, um, well, Rim, we haven't heard your lineup, have we? Um, it, it's pretty much the same as what you guys said. I I like uh, the idea of both of those. I think they're both valid points. So any mixture of the two could be pretty pretty reasonable for me. I think for the big part though, you've just got to have Donovan as your one two. Like there's no other way. Around. I like the idea of having a new bar in the eight or nine spot, just that extra guy that you can't overlook at the bottom of the lineup. Um, I hope that Yachty can stay hot. I'm, I'm kind of worried about Yachty because I mean, he's had a hot month of September, but before that, I mean, he kind of bounced back and forth off the IL, but his bat was pretty abysmal. So if he can stay hitting, I have no concerns there, but I don't know. Just the way we've been playing, I don't want us to get in any slumps and, you know, have a hard time scoring runs like we have recently. And ultimately, it's like, well, Yachty does hit into more double plays than anybody I've ever seen just because he's an old man. And it's like that's kind of a liability sometimes, especially on the base pass. If he were to get a single or something like that, I mean, you probably almost guaranteed have to have two hits after him to get him home. So I don't know. I don't know what to do about that. Factual inaccuracy there, Rim. Albert Pujols hits into more double plates than anybody. I said almost seen. anybody, so go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to leave this recording too, honestly. Uh, well, go ahead and wrap us up then. Well, th- this for this week in Cardinals history brought you by historyofcardinals.com. Bob Forsh throws his second career no-hitter in 1983 against the Expos on September 26th. Uh, on September 28th, Todd Worrell was born in 1959. Dizzy Dean pitches his first career complete game, being the first 3-1 allowing only three hits. On September 29th in 1963, Stan Musial goes two for three in his last game, finishing with 3,630 career hits with an even 1,815 hits at home and on the road. On October Second, Bob Gibson strikes out 17 against the Tigers, setting a new World Series record in 1968, which was previously set by Sandy Koufax in 1963 on the same date against the Yankees. And in 2020, Bob Gibson also passes away on the same date. And that's been this week in Cardinals history. Alrighty. Thanks, Red. And thanks. What'd you say? Way to end it on a positive note, Red. Yep, for sure. 
Uh, and thanks, Nate, for coming on. We'll have to have you back again. I thank hey, Sawyer as well, time. even though um, we've lost him. We, he's gone into the twilight zone. But thanks a lot for coming on, adding to the conversation. Appreciate it. And you've been a good guest. We'll have to have you on again. Yep, I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me, fellas. Yeah, of course.